stereotype women and say that we're super emotional. And what? We cry for anything. What? And who would so, dare? Who dare would say something like that? And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How y'all doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 26 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Fantastic. It is the 26th episode, everybody. Check that out. How are you doing? We got 26 of these down. Number 26 coming your way right now live. Can you believe that we've gotten this far? I mean, 26 episodes, that's like bordering on completing how many months now, Chris? Is that six, seven? I think we're like halfway through six months now. Really? Six months? Uh, That's almost half a year. Yeah. Well, actually, it is half a year. It is half a year, you silly goose. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So what has been going on in the world of Chris and Christine? Christine? Well, we've had an eventful week, and it started off last week with our Valentine's date, right after we recorded the last episode. That's right. If you remember last week, we actually did the podcast on a Friday, which was Valentine's Day. And that Valentine's Day evening, I took Christine, we fired up the old hot rod, the Z, and we drove to the nearest casino, and then we made our reservations. Actually, barely made our reservations. So remember that, Christine? We like barely made them. Yeah, we were so expecting to park in the valet parking, like a special little thing. Chris made sure that we had cash for it. And we pulled up to the casino, to the valet parking, and it was full. Right, they had the sign that said full out. What's up with that? And so as... Chris pulled to the front. Do you remember I said to you, hey, do you want to pause and just let me hop out so I could run into the yeah, restaurant? Yeah, I just run up there and I kick Christine out to kick her to the curb. I literally. Said, <laughs> yeah, to the curb. And I said, gather and get our reservations or put her name in. We have literally one minute before we have to like be there. We really did. We had one minute before we had to be there. And then I go park the Z in the parking garage. And then I ran in there and met her in the restaurant. And it was a beautiful dinner. It was a prefix menu. I think, was it four or five courses, Chris? It was five-course meal specifically designed for Valentine's Day only. So it was a Valentine's Day uh, thing. You only had like, what, maybe four, uh, four or five choices of uh, entrees? Yeah, we had a Chateaubriand. Oh, is that what it's called? Chateaubriand. Yeah, I can't pronounce that, so <laughs> I let Christine deal with that stuff. But yeah, she ordered it for us. I, I just pointed to the menu. <laughs> yeah, I want that. Try that thing. Well, we had, we both had to ask the server. We were like, what is a Chateaubriand? And then she explained to us that it was this large sirloin It was like a platter steak. sirloin. Yeah, steak that was, it was like... A, it was a platter of meat, right? Platter of meat that was sliced, <laughs> like thin sliced, so that uh, each of us could have a little chunk of it. Right, and so it started out with a great amuse bouche course that had amuse bouche. It was so fancy, and it had lobster. It was like a lobster potato salad with lobster pieces and purple potatoes and Greek yogurt. Ooh, fancy pants! Do you remember that? It was a, that little bite that we had at the very right. beginning. They, they gave us something, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's supposed to get you started, like a little starter starter. Right. And so we kind of whet our appetite on that. And anyways, we had a fantastic meal and it finished off with this beautiful little sweetheart's red velvet cake at the very end. It was fantastic. It was awesome. But the only bad thing about that entire evening was, if you remember correctly, we went gambling. We went gambling and I did not win anything. 
Oh, Neither of us won anything. You know, speaking of which, I don't know why I keep going to that casino because I don't think I've ever, in the history of my entire life, have I ever won any money at that particular casino. I'm not going to mention the casino's name, but... I have never won anything at that casino. Right. And none of that was any more true than when we went to the craps table. We couldn't even figure out how to play craps at this casino because it's California craps. Yeah. California craps, like California rules. It's weird. All the casino games have to somehow relate to playing cards. It doesn't matter how they do it, but playing cards have to be in play through the game. So the game craps, normally with dice, they roll the dice but the dice represent the cards that they use, which represents what the dice should be in the first place. And it's a totally different tempo to the game than it was in Vegas. In Vegas, you roll the dice and everybody's holding their breath, trying to figure out if you're going to hit one of those lucky numbers, six and eight are the best ones. And then when they hit that, everybody cheers and they're like, yeah. But at this one, they rolled the dice and then you're waiting for the card and you're like, wait, how does that even relate and you're so confused that you can't even celebrate. And before you know it, you've lost all your chips. Oh, I know. You lose all your money. Like, well, what just happened? Yeah, we that, we're big losers that night. So, Losers in gambling, winners in love. Oh, that is trademark patent pending, by the way. <laughs> right. So that sweet, wonderful time lasted for less than 24 hours when Chris realized midday Saturday that something kind of traumatic had happened to his arm. Oh my goodness. So I woke up and I had this itch in this like lumpy, like kind of like it was a zit or something on my left arm by, by my elbow. And I'm like, what is that thing? So I'm like picking at it, whatever, you know, do what you do. And I kept saying, stop picking at it, Chris. You <laughs> got to But that's what I do, stop man. Stop scratching it. Stop ticking, oh, picking okay, at it. Okay. Okay. So I do that. I pick at it, whatever I'm looking at. It, and then like, the next thing you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. It's itching. It's burning. It feels like my entire arm is completely numb. And Christine said, what did you say? Well, on this is like fast forward to Sunday and it was getting redder. And I said, you know, I think maybe you got a bug bite. I think you should go get checked out. And what did you say? I said, no, I just will try to just take care of myself or whatever. But then it, it kept getting so bad. I thought literally my arm was broken. Like it hurt so bad. Right. And it did not look good. I will say, you know, there's some things that Chris over exaggerates. What? When he's no, sick. I don't. What are we talking about? <laughs> As you're sitting there scratching it right now. Well, well yeah, just- anyways, fast forward to Monday. We're getting ready going through the day and that pain, it kept going more and more, right, Chris? Oh, yeah, it was getting really bad. And so I, uh, well, actually, Christine helped me out, uh, find urgent care in my area, made an appointment. I went in there, talked to the doctor. The doctor even tried squeezing it and tried getting stuff out of it. She tried extracting stuff with this little needle. She sticks this needle inside it, and she tries getting <laughs> stuff stuff out. She couldn't get nothing out. She was playing with it. She said, yeah, it's a bite. I think it's a bite, blah, 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 whatever. And then so she... They called for a shot of something, and um, antibiotics or something like Ugh. that. I said, uh, so the nurse comes in to give me the shot, and I said, is this going to be like in the arm or whatever? I said, no, it has to go in your butt. And I'm like, what? Fine, whatever. Just get over with, you know? So I pull my pants down, and, and uh, I felt kind of embarrassed because she was kind of cute, the uh, nurse. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so Wow, Chris. But uh, it's kind of flattered or whatever. But anyways, um, so I gave her the honor, I guess, of uh, checking my butt out. So... Um, <laughs> So I did that, and she gave me the shot or whatever, and it stung, you know, the usual. But I, I was like playing it cool, like, 
yeah, it's like no big deal. Yeah, it feels great. Yeah, whatever. You, are you done yet? Oh, did you even do it yet? Oh, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing it cool or whatever. At, at the same time, I'm getting text messages from Chris like, I think I'm dead. I, okay, I'm dead now. <laughs> Right. So we had to go with the prescription, gave me a prescription antibiotic to, I guess, uh, I don't know what it does, but it's supposed to kill the poison or something. I don't know. Right. And uh, so I was at the mall with Jacob and Mason getting them some play shoes and I'm getting these text messages from Chris and we had just stopped by a candy shop, which is pretty famous here on the West Coast called Seas Candies. And Wait, the- I thought that was a national thing. Is no, it no, it's only West Coast. Are you kidding me? No, it's like I thought California. Seas was like McDonald's. It no, was like everywhere. No, like I think California, Washington, maybe Nevada, and I know for sure Arizona. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, so we were picking up some Seas candy, and I said to the boys, let's pick up a candy for your dad, because I think I need to go pick up his prescription. And so we got some chocolate caramels that are milk chocolate covered caramels that are Chris's favorite, and drove across town. And we pulled up right as he was walking out. That's right. Perfect timing, by the way. Right. And then Chris walks up to me and he like shows me his arm and it had this big old black line around it. Oh, yeah. The nurse. I forgot to tell you guys. The nurse draws this like sharp, sticks a Sharpie out. Right. And she literally like draws around the infected area on my arm. Like, like quarantine this section. Like this is the section of the arm we're going to cut out. (laughs) When we fix your arm, this is this is the dead section. So if it goes beyond this section, you're screwed. It, it, it's almost like you know when like like in the movies they chop someone's arm or leg off. They like take a sharpie and like draw it across the section uh, of the arm. Don't say that. Like this is where you're gonna cut. Bro. This is where they cut. So they did that cut <laughs> like around my arm or my arm, or whatever. But you were cracking me up that day because I think it was several times that you said to me like, "Do you think I'm gonna lose my arm?" Well, I almost started thinking that. Like, oh my goodness, what if I got one of those like crazy viruses that. You know, like meat eating flesh viruses. Next thing you know, you lose your arm. Now you all see what I have to deal with on a daily luckily, basis. Luckily, catastrophizing. I did not lose my arm. But if I did, it's my left arm and I'm right handed. So I would be okay, I think. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you'd be okay. But I'm so grateful that the medicine took its course and that it's calmed down quite a bit. Okay. And now enough about me and my personal crazy world <laughs> and we're going to focus a little bit more on to christine and her perfect world because Aww. this yes ah uh, indeed uh christine has got some crazy exciting news about her special accomplishments this christine she's out there saving the world <laughs> being a superhero she is uh, being the best that she can be in life Uh, Take note, everybody out there, be like Christine, (laughs) and we are going to tell you all about her crazy, exciting news right after this. The Chris and Christine Show is now on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. Check out our latest pictures, videos, show teasers, and life updates on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. And now we're going to talk a little bit about Christine, the one, the only, this Christine right here across from me in the studio, coming to you live. And Christine, um, tell everybody why this week was a very special and important week for you in particular. Oh, wow. Well, it has definitely been a super busy week in my life and kind of unexpectedly. I mean, there are things that I've been working on, but it was like all of this goodness just came together this week and it started all this goodness yeah all of this goodness came together this week that sounds like a a recipe for a a baking show (laughs) yeah yeah kind of like that but it all kicked off just a couple of days ago 
when I woke up in the morning and went downstairs and Chris had brought in the mail and there was a package in the mail for me. Oh, there was. That's right. There was a package of mail for Christine. And by the way, Christine gets her mail here now. So <laughs> I, I have to go get it for her. I got to get her a key to the mailbox. And uh, But enough about that. So what was in the mail? Well, it was a like an envelope, a legal size envelope from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. <gasps> the U.S. Patent Office? Yes. Sent you something in the mail? Yes, they what? did. So about 11 months ago, I was invited to do the speaking engagement for a group of female administrators in San Diego County. And I didn't really know what I was going to speak about. And so it took me a little bit of time to formulate my ideas. And then I had this epiphany about, because they asked me to speak about something that would motivate women. Wait, speaking, uh, to, where's the speaker, place you're speaking at? Like, what is it? Like a, it was just a restaurant. There was like oh, a conference a re- room, but they had like, oh, like 75 administrators from around San Diego County. It's called Empower Hour. Empower it's, Hour. It's huh? a monthly thing where women get together. They're different leaders from throughout San Diego County. Like the mayor and the, the, like the mayor's office? No, no, no. Educational leaders. Okay. All right. Educational leaders around the county so of like San Diego. So like assistant superintendent superintendents, principals, they get together. It's called Empower Hour. And the whole purpose of it is to motivate and inspire women in leadership to continue to do the good work that they do. Okay, I got you so far. Yeah. So I was asked to speak and I didn't at that time know what to speak about. And they just asked me if I could talk about some of the struggles that women face, some of the mental blocks that we face when it comes to leadership. And so I was like, wait, 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 what's a mental block? Like some... We call them limiting beliefs. So women tend to underestimate themselves and sometimes not pursue promotions and not pursue different opportunities because they might not think that they're capable of it. And so there's all of this tape in our head. So they asked me if I would come up with some type of a, a 30 to 45 minute talk around that. And I was struggling. And then there was this moment of clarity. Okay. And I built this talk around an acronym and i called it tears t-e-a-r-s tears like don't cry don't be don't be tearing up right kind of like that so people tend to stereotype women and say that we're super emotional we cry for anything and who who dare would say something like that And so for women in leadership though specifically it's something that we face on a regular basis when leaders around us will say, don't be so emotional or, oh, you're not going to cry. I thought if if somebody in the workplace said, drop the don't be so emotional to a female coworker, is that grounds for like termination? No, it's not. And people will say, oh, well, don't be so sensitive. And so there's this, this stereotype for women that if we cry or if we're emotional, that it's a sign of weakness. And so... Well, who's crying at work? Well, sometimes things are really hard and all you can do is like hold it in. I mean, there's a lot of, as an educational leader, a lot of things that we face. I mean, a lot of emotions. And so anyways, behind this whole speech, this talk, this motivational speech was this acronym of tears. And I called it fierce tears. And Fierce tears. Yeah. Like so, tears. Well, so people think that fierce is like a word that's angry, but actually the definition of it in the dictionary means to live with a heartfelt and powerful intensity, which is why I have that word tattooed on my right wrist. Yes, it's Christine's only tattoo as of right now. The weird, what does it say? It uh, says, she is fierce. She is fierce on her uh, wrist. 
Right. So when she punches somebody, it's the last thing they see. You're so funny. So (laughs) this was my mantra already to live life with a heartfelt and powerful intensity. And then I thought of all of the reasons throughout my educational leadership journey when I cried and how all of those tears were really not a sign of weakness, but were a sign of enduring some type of pain that has now become my strength. And so I developed this acronym, TEARS, for talent, expertise, authenticity, resilience, and strength. And I talked to the women about those five areas of how we develop as leaders and how it's really important that we live with this heartfelt and powerful intensity, embracing our talent and our expertise, but always focusing on our authenticity, resilience, and strength. Okay. So this was 11 months ago and I stepped away from that night and I was, I got so much positive feedback from the ladies that were in the room and I got emails afterwards and people reaching out to me saying that that really spoke to them. Really? So you were like uh, moving, you know, you were shaking the ground pretty much. Right. And people were saying, you know, it's, you put into words what I was really feeling and the things that I've struggled with, but I never really had something to anchor into to help motivate me. And you've helped me to see things differently. So at that time, I thought, man, I really, I'm, I'm onto something here. And so I started to do some research to say, like, maybe this is nothing, but maybe it's something and I want to protect it because it's my best thinking and I don't want anybody else to take it because if I decide to do motivational speaking or coaching, I want to be able to keep it as mine. I want to own it. You're going to own the phrase, tears, Fierce. Fierce tears. Sorry, fierce Fierce tears. Fierce tears. Got it backwards. Right. And so, you know, it kind of, people kind of look at it and it could come across as kind of weird until you really understand it. But I reached out to a former family member. It's actually my son Ezekiel's aunt, Jennifer. She's a... Jennifer, shout out. What's happening, Jennifer? Yeah, shout out to Jenny. She's an attorney. Jenny, And she focuses on international business, but she does filings for patents and trademarks. So I reached out to her just to say, like, what would it take? And I shared my idea. And she was like, this is fantastic. And she helped me navigate the process. And so I put in the paperwork 11 months ago. So 11 months ago, you put the paperwork into the patent office. To to, trademark office. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. the trademark. What's the difference between the trademark office and the patent office? Well, patent is on normally something that you design. It's like a product. And a trademark is normally on a brand or a logo or like something written in some way. Do they do both in the same building? Is it like the same office? Oh, I don't really know, but it's the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, so I think they're connected. I figure they would be. Yeah, it's all part of the same uh, thing. Right. So we submitted it 11 months ago, and then I woke up. Well, I knew that I got the trademark. It was granted to me several months ago, but for some reason, the certificate didn't come. So so you really need the certificate to really like prove... That it's it's uh, do they do the email you first? It's been approved. Then they send you the paperwork. No, or how does it work? No, I got an email. I'd asked Jenny, and she let me know it had passed, and I got it electronically. But then a couple nights ago, I got the certificate in the mail, and so I opened it up, and it's like fancy United States Patent and Trademark Office letterhead, and then it has my name on it next to Fierce Tears, and it says I own it. You officially own it. So anybody that tries to copyright it, trademark it, trademark it, whatever, you can sue them for all they're worth. Right? <laughs> right? Well, you know. right. I mean, technically, but that's not what's exciting. Or the- could, could you sell it to somebody if they yes. want? Yes. It's my intellectual property now. So I have the right. So if anybody felt that that was a, like an important concept or they wanted to use that, then they would have to buy me out. 
or oh, what what a dollar price tag? Just hypothetical speaking to anybody out there in podcast land that might be <laughs> interested, maybe. Um, well, it's what's like, your what's your price tag? It's what, like one of those bidding bidding starting at. It's like one of those commercials where it's like a cof- cup of coffee five dollars, date night at the ball game forty five dollars, trademark of fierce tears priceless. No, I think that commercial was like uh, <laughs> getting your first kiss priceless or something along those lines well i'm just super excited that that happened but then something else really excited happened. something else what you got the very next day so um again kind of floating back about a month and a half ago i was contacted through email from an individual from a publications firm in New York. They run a magazine called The CEO Publication. The CEO Magazine. Or- yeah, it's the CEOMag.com, but it's officially called The CEO Publication. Now, is this a real magazine or online magazine? Only? Yeah, it's both. It's an online and printed magazine. Their circulation is right the around... The CEO... I wonder who gets that. The circulation is right around 62,000 people. And so it's all CEOs and C-suite executives. Wow. So like I was saying, I got this email from the one of the, well, he's the like editorial director, something like that of the CEO mag. And he said that he'd found me on LinkedIn and saw that I'm an executive coach and that his magazine was getting ready to start featuring CEO coaches on their website. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he said, um, I was wondering if you would also be willing to write an article for our magazine about leadership. Oh, really? Yeah, like any topic of my choice. Re- any topic of your choice? Yeah, related to leadership. So you had a choice. You could pick, oh, but it has to be within the leadership um, category, right? Well, kind of. I mean, he said anything that might appeal to CEOs or C-suite executives. So it was pretty wide open because it's not a specific industry. Oh, it's not? No, it's just like all different kinds of industries. So I started thinking about like what I would want to write about. So I said to him, well, you know, my studies for my doctoral work is around the underrepresentation of women in senior level senior level leadership positions. Like CEOs and things like that. Right, right. So, how, um, yeah. Right, how there's not very many women in the C-suite. And uh, I said, could I write about that? Like about what it would take to increase the representation of women. And what do you say? He was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And when can I expect it from you? And I said, well, what's the cost? And he said, oh, there's nothing. We're just really, we're trying to build up. What we found is that there's really nobody that offers a recommendation of like CEO coaches. And so what we're trying to do is build up a list of possible CEO coaches for our 62,000 members or readers to be able to tap into, but how better to get to know you than like actually reading something that you've written. When he gave you the uh, uh, assignment or request to do the, do the assignment to do the actual article, what was the deadline on that? He said it was like right around three weeks, so three and a half week turnaround. He gave you three weeks. Is that normal for something like that? I, I have no idea. I don't know. I've never... I've never actually been sought out for something like that before. It was a first. And so, you know, of course, the first thing I'm like, is this a scam? So I was like, well, I was like, well, let me think about it. And can I get back to you in about 24 hours? And he's like, oh, yes, of course, please. And so I did my research and I went to the CEOMag.com and I was like, okay, legit, they're an online publication. And so I was reading a bit about them. I found them on LinkedIn and did my background research on the, the, director yeah this, you, this you, person yes you kind of have to you kind of have to do that right because i was like um, is this like one of those social security scams and so i totally was like 
I'm super skeptical when it comes to stuff well, like e- that. You should. And by the way, everybody out there should also be but skeptical it, of things like, you know, anything really. Right. But I think part of it is like, I just didn't believe that somebody would want to reach out to me and think that I had anything worth being said. Like you feel like you're just a little, little tiny person in, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the world. It's, you're just a regular person in the world. And somebody like this big CEO magazine, uh, came to you to ask you to write an article about something that you're passionate about, right. that you know about, that you have a voice that they want to uh, put in their magazine for CEOs to actually read and enjoy. Right. And that's exactly like you hit the nail on the head as I was just feeling very like little fish, big pond who would want to pay attention to what I have to say. But I did my research and then I came back to him like 24 hours later and I said, I would be happy to, uh, I'm going to be traveling just a little bit, but I'm going to get back to you just as soon as possible with my article. And I um, started to think and like formulate ideas and then just started writing one night. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I printed it out the next day and I was like, oh, this is trash. (laughs) Oh, really? What was wrong with it? Like It just was so wordy and like philosophical words put in there kind of stuff yeah i think it was just like me trying to prove my smartness like have you ever read a story like that where somebody's just using big words for the sake of like making themselves feel good because they know those big words right and i'm like next article (laughs) exactly it's not authentic and so i really had to soul search and think about what it really is that i wanted to say and so it happened on a Saturday morning. Um, actually, Chris, I, it was that day. I, I don't know if you remember where I told you I needed to go do some studying and I was going to go to a coffee shop for a few hours. That's right. Christine is one of those people, by the way, that <laughs> has to go to a Starbucks or any well, coffee shop or whatever, mostly Starbucks, go to a Starbucks and have to have her laptop out and she has to be uh, engaged in whatever she's doing on her studies in a noisy Starbucks type environment. Me, I'm the exact opposite. I, I, know, to, right? I have to have peace and quiet and leave me alone. I'm focusing because I can't. I couldn't focus on what I was doing if I got all these crazies around me spilling drinks and all that stuff. But you, it, it works for you, right? Right, but it's different because like if I'm at home and it's people I know and noises I know, then I feel like I have to get involved in them. Like, oh my gosh, what are the kids breaking? Or you know, what? Does well, he that's need? if the kids are. I mean, I mean, heaven forbid you got you got to do an entire like. Um, article uh, concentrate on a laptop when you got kids sh- uh, swinging from the chandelier. <laughs> right? Like this morning when I was trying to write part of my dissertation and I just kept getting interrupted. But at the I got to this coffee shop. They had this cute little blue couch, which is very relevant for Ooh. this. It was blue. It had little sparkles on it. And I sat down with my drink and I did my schoolwork very quickly on that day. And then... I started to go back over this article that I was writing and all of a sudden, like it did the first time around with the last thing I just shared, it hit me. And it was like, I wanted to write about how to help women's voices be heard within corporations because what the research says about women that are trying to get to the role of CEO is it takes the people around them recognizing their talents and like recommending them. And it was just this, I had this moment of clarity And so just like I came up with Fierce Tears, and it was an acronym, I came up with an acronym for this specific article, and it was called REACH. REACH. Yeah, R-E-A-C-H. And I just, each part stood for something, like the first one, the R, was about like recommending a woman within 
your team for a highly visible project, like okay. helping her be seen for her talents. And so I went through these five REAC, I have to count now, these five different components. And it just became so clear, like those five elements, then I was able to do the lead in and I was able to write the conclusion. And by the end of that little segment of time, by the time I'd finished my latte, I mean, it took me a while. Was it cold at the end of that? Yeah, it was. But I felt like I had this beautifully written article that, you know, this is a big deal for me. I've never published anything. And so I sat on it for a couple of days. I went over it, printed it out a couple of times, made sure that there was no typos or anything. And then I decided to go ahead and submit it. And so that was a couple, like several weeks ago. And I had reached out to the the head of editorial and asked him like, okay, you're, I submitted it to you. It's gone to your copy editors. Is it being rejected? Are there any revisions that I need to make? And he says, oh, well, it's with my team right now. We'll let you know if you need to make any changes. They, they, uh, they'll edit what you posted, but they, have to, they edit and get the final say, right? Right. So I emailed it to them in a Word document, and then they copy edit it. So they check for typos. They make sure that everything's clear in terms of formatting. And then he had told me that it was going to go in an online version, and then in a few months it would be printed. But, you know, still, like... I was 50-50 thinking that it was actually going to come of anything. Like I thought, well, maybe they're just going to take my writing and like make pretend that it's their own or something. Go ahead. What about the um the, uh, the question I have, they put a picture of you in there. At what point did they ask for that picture? Well, so that was part of this. They were said they were building this profile of CEO coaches. Could they have a headshot and uh, my bio so that they could actually put me on their list of CEO coaches on their website. And so that's what they'd reached out to say is we want to feature you as a CEO coach and we want to publish an article for you and there's no charge. And I was thinking like, are they for real? Right. And so, you know, I got my trademark certificate in the mail and uh, later that day I was at work and I don't know what even came into my mind, but I was like, I'm just going to check their website and see if by chance anything's up there. Right. And I typed in the web address because I'd gone to it a couple of times before. And on the front page, when I logged in, was my headshot. What? With my title of my article that had just been posted the night before. Congratulations. That is, that is. (laughs) Yes, Christine. So I, I, I literally started to cry at my desk and I was trying so hard to hold it together because it was this moment of, you know, it might not be a big deal to other people, but there is just something like when you have gone through what you've gone through and you've dedicated time and energy and effort to your career and to writing something and you submit it and somebody accepts it and values it and then posts it for 62,000 readers to read. Wow. It's yeah. just, I don't know. It was just this moment. And not just any readers, too. We're talking about CEOs, right? Right, right. And posting me, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I know I'm really good at what I do, but for somebody to seek me out and say, we want to further, like, let you operate even more in your areas of expertise, it, it just, I don't know, it was very humbling for me. This whole experience has been super humbling. And so the article is called... Neither the bull or the bell. Wow. Right. And it's the, you'll get why in the very last paragraph. Don't skim to the end. Right, read the whole thing. 
but we actually have featured the link to the article on our link tree for the K2 Show San Diego. You can find that link in the bio of our K2 Show San Diego Instagram page. And on Twitter, too, I believe, right? Right, yeah. We posted it on Twitter, retweeted it on Twitter. But um, I think what's been really exciting for me is uh, as we've been promoting it on social media, I've been personally sharing it on my LinkedIn and my personal Twitter, my Facebook, is people are reading it. Women in leadership are reaching out to me and thanking me for it. I've had a couple of really reputable researchers on Twitter that have read it and are retweeting it and sharing it with other people in the field. And when you're a researcher, when this is like your passion, when it's something that you're really wanting to see furthered, when other people take your words and then they build on them and share them even more, it's just such a a humbling and rewarding moment and uh, first person that I told was you, though, when oh, I got it published. Well, thank you. I feel very, very special. I was super proud of her, and I'm so proud of her, and I'm still very proud of her. And um, she is a wonder. Christine, you are amazing. Thank you, babe. You're welcome, babe. You made me cry. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but you are very special that you actually got all that stuff done. And, um, you know, you are amazing. I mean, there's nothing you cannot do. Thank you. And, you know, I I have to say, because I've been reflecting on this a lot, and I've actually been sharing this with my friends. I've had a couple of them say to me, well, how do you do everything? When do you sleep? And I said, you know... When do you sleep? Right. At night, maybe? (laughs) Right. But one of the things that I've mentioned is... Ooh, now I am going to cry. Is when you have a partner in life that is so supportive of you and your dreams and your aspirations... Oh, I really am going to cry. How it... um, (laughs) It allows you to push yourself further than you ever thought was possible because you realize that those dreams that you've always had since you were like a young person of having an impact or making a difference, that when you have your best friend cheering you along off to the side, that it becomes something really Wait, tangible. It, is that me you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's okay, you. Okay. <laughs> I'll think about somebody else no, like Susie or <laughs> It's you. And I've really been thinking about that and been, uh, sorry, I'm super emotional right now. Yeah. But it's like a win for both of us because, you know, Chris and I have shared um, from the very beginning that we've both been through, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, babe. It's okay. <laughs> It's all right. We've been through a really rough journey individually, and it's taken a lot to get to the point of finding each other, and then to not only find each other, but to really strive to have an excellent partnership and to continue to be that iron that sharpens one another. Wow. Honestly, I really, Chris, I couldn't have done that. Like, even just saying, I'm going to, like, you go do what you're going to do. I've got everything handled at the house. You go to that coffee shop and you write, like, that cheering me on, encouraging me, telling me, yeah, submit that article, letting me read a couple paragraphs to you and you saying, yeah, sounds great. Sounds really good. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I don't understand a word you're talking about, but it sounds good to me. And you know, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to understand everything that I'm saying, but the fact that you invest in me and that you believe in me and that you encourage me and you cheer me on, like I, I've never felt the freedom to be able to pursue my dreams like I do right now in my life. And so for that, this is a win for both of us. And I just want to say thank you to you for being my best friend and for making this possible by being by my side. Oh, you are so welcome. (laughs) And I'm here for you, babe. And, uh, and, um, 
Wow, you do. You are amazing, and this whole journey has been amazing. The journey of the podcast, the journey of Christine, and and getting her thing, her uh, her patent pending. I know her um, trademark. Tra- yeah, trademark. I get the trademark and the patent mixed up. I, you know, I get those things screwed up. But well, the, the I guess I, I should say one more thing before you segue is that reach that acronym uh, because I knew I was really onto something and it was going to be published in a magazine. I went ahead and submitted for a trademark for that too. And it's currently under review. Well, there you go. You're getting, you're nailing all your, getting all your bases covered. Yep. Now that what I would say is fantastic. (laughs) That is awesome. Okay. Well, speaking of that, Christine did a wonderful job on that whole uh, section. And I really appreciate. We all appreciate everything she does, and you do, babe. Right? Don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm getting emotional here. Tripping, I on, know. tripping on my words here. I know. Well, we're gonna lighten it up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Chris is gonna bring us back and uh, share some fun things that are work related, right, Chris? That is right. Because this whole se- section is a little bit career and work related. So, hang on tight. We have more work topics coming up to you right after this. The Chris and Christine Show is available everywhere on Google Play with Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And speaking of work and work-related topics, our next section here, we got a thing called the Little Things you do that bug your coworkers. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay, it's a list of things that you, if you're doing these things, and you know who you are, you know you're probably doing these things. Your coworkers hate you for them. So the first thing on this list is kissing up to the boss. Okay, now I would like to know, Chris, because I know in high school, like you, or in middle school, people are like quote unquote teachers' pets, Ugh. but. Unfortunately, I was voted that person in high school What? because I just was always very conscientious of my work. And so I'd like to know from you, like what you actually think of as kissing up to your boss. I absolutely hate it so much. We had a previous boss in my in my job. He doesn't work there anymore. But uh, while he was there, he said when he came in because he was new at the time, he comes in, he says, I don't play favorites. And guess what he does? <laughs> He played favorites. He had people literally sitting on his lap, pretty much, and um, they were um, kissing his butt, and and their best friends. But what were, did they do? Like that kissing, kissing up to him. What did that actually look like? They, they became literally like best friends with the boss. Which, oh, it, yeah. It wasn't more just kissing up to the boss. It's more like becoming best friends with the boss. That drove me mad. I couldn't stand it because what happens is that is that when when push comes to shove and something really disciplinary has to happen it doesn't happen he plays favorites and something that is written in the rules if you do this this is what happens to you but that doesn't happen to everybody because now you get your best friends with the boss yeah so this one was confusing to me because sometimes people think that like if you're working late or if you're showing up late or sorry showing up early and staying late and working through your lunch that that's kissing up to the boss. But sometimes I think that that's just like what needs to happen to get the job done. So it was just hard for me. Like when we we saw this, like, how do I know? Am I actually this person? Am I kissing up to my boss? And then I start to think, but 
is it not my responsibility to actually make my boss look good? Like, isn't that what my whole job is well, about? Well, listen, it all depends on different job to different job. Not all jobs are the same. Not all bosses are the same. So people have different interactions with their boss. Some bosses, you know, they're just very strict, just get to the point, do whatever, whatever. And some try to be uh, friendly and be your best friend. So I think I think it's best not to smooth the boss okay. too much. Good idea. Okay, on to the next one. We are, uh, the next one on the list is assigning your tedious work to others. Oh, yeah. This is frustrating if somebody that you're working with is constantly giving you the tasks that they don't want to do because they take too much time. It's like saying... Is that a normal thing? Well, I I think in some instances it it is, but it really sends the message of my time is more valuable than your time. But what if you're like super, super slammed with stuff? Okay, that's a different story. That's like teamwork. This is like regularly... It's the... I, I'm really good at quote unquote delegating my responsibilities. Like you'll get managers that are like, well, yes, uh, I have a team. So I delegate those tasks to others, dude. So what does just, he do? Nothing. It, well, it just depends. It's like the things that they take too much time to do. So I think that this comes back to not just giving the monotonous work to other people and handling some of it yourself. Right. I think that's that's a good thing to do, not uh, not to do that. Mm-hmm. So the next one we got here, it kind of goes into similar, somewhat of the same category, and that is throwing people under the bus. Have you ever worked with somebody like that? So basically they're saying it's like uh, Susie screwed it up, and it, you know they, they basically, but Susie wasn't even there. It wasn't even her job to do, and he just threw Susie under the bus. Right. I feel like I've been in environments where there's adults that do this on a regular basis it's one of the things that i really work hard not to do instead i own it maybe a little bit too often i'll be like i take responsibility i didn't do it but i'm gonna own it but i think that this is something that we can teach our kids from like a young age is like don't pass the blame well you know what the funny thing is is that's actually i believe human nature for us to really kind of go on the defensive and oh yeah and people it, it's, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction that you want to say it wasn't my fault uh, it was it was and they are pointing or whatever things like that and that you know yeah that's a really good point i think it's like that i think people call it self-preservation right right it's like a flight or flight maybe or, or maybe i'm thinking of that maybe i'm thinking of like it's just like a it's like you're drowning, you know, and, 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 and you have to like – if someone who can't swim who's drowning, they'll just grab onto whoever whatever and try to pull them. Drag them down or use them – like pull, pull them down so they could get up, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's almost like a starvation. It, it happens a lot, you know, in, in the, you know throwing people under the bus. Especially, so don't throw them under the bus, people. And especially when if like – if your butt's in the line and you had – it's like – they said this is your last screw up, yeah. and one more screw up, and you're done, and you just screwed up. You that person will do whatever it takes <laughs> yeah. to stay where they're at. Yep. Okay. And the next one we got is oh, this is one that Christine just dropped a little bit ago. <laughs> it's about using too much industry industry. I can't say it. Industry industry <laughs> lingo in uh, when you talk about to other coworkers and things like that. Yeah, so in education, we refer to it as edu-speak. Edu-speak? Yeah, and it's like when people start talking in terms that are really only known to educators, sometimes it sounds like a foreign language, but I was so guilty of this earlier this week. I was at a meeting, Chris, yeah, and I was at a school district, 
and I was sitting with one of their team members and she and I were talking back and forth in acronyms because we were talking about these different data files. And Oh, I hate acronyms. I know. Yeah. And I kept saying to her, so the the SILA and the SINF and the SPRG loaded correctly, but the ones... Are you guys that- talking about sunscreen? <laughs> We were talking about data reports that were loading and the superintendent was sitting there and he said, I, I really have no idea. And I said, I'm so sorry. I, you know, was trying to just clarify something with her. And then I like explained some of it. But so often I think that people will talk in bigger words or acronyms to... You know what's either- funny? Watching the really new rookie people in the industry, right. whatever, whatever industry industry you're at, the you, you know the people that are just coming in, they just got into the industry, right. industry they start dropping all these big terms or, or, or they start pointing things out and somebody outside the industry wouldn't know. They start pointing it, pointing it out and throwing these words out like, like they're everyday words. Uh, and you're like, come on, who are you fooling? You know, right, what, are right. you, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay, so the next one on our list, this only really pertains to working in an office, I would say, or a closed environment. And that would be playing your music too loudly. Preach, 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 preach. What, what, and what? So we talking about? I work in an office space that has an open concept. So we're not even in cubicles, we're in shared, we call what? it pods. A pod? So it's like, like a sleeping pod? <laughs> it's kind of. We have four desks together. But if anybody is like having a conversation on the phone or listening to music or whatever a little bit too loudly, it disrupts like up to 15 people. And so like that's why, Chris, when you call me sometimes at work, I'll say, hold on just a second. It's because I like stand up and I go out. I thought you had cubicles. No. I I swear. I thought you had a little. Okay. Honestly, I thought you had your own office with your own door. No. In in a view of the ocean. That's what you had. (laughs) No. On the the 50th floor. No. You don't have that? No. Man. Tell your boss. Hook it up. No, we're in a cube and it's four desks. And so I like this happens on I wouldn't say the music, but in general, like speaking to. Wait, are you allowed to even uh, play music at your work or what's the rule? You have to have headphones. So you can't there's no office radio or no way. It's so disruptive to our work. And because we have people coming in to meet with us on a regular basis and we have lots of different conversations happening, we have conference rooms set aside for even like in-depth conversation. So if I'm going to be on a phone call that's longer than like three or five minutes, unless it's a conference call, like a video conference, I'll take it into a conference room. Oh, wow. Even that's disruptive. I bet. I mean, I had, yeah, I mean, from luckily for me, since I drive a truck, I pretty much can play whatever I want and no, right. nobody can say anything about it. So mm-hmm. I play everything and anything. So, okay. And the next one on the next page we got is, oh man, well, this kind of relates to me because I've been yep. s- sick lately. That is coming into work sick. They say people hate it when you do that. Yep. You do it all the time. Yeah, well, okay, well, I do. Most people do. Most people come in sick, come to work sick a lot, and it's just a little cough. I'll be fine, they say. But then, of course, what happens is, is that you get the next guy who's sick, and then you get the next guy sick, and then you get the next, and then the whole office is sick, and then everybody's sick, and they blame you because you are the host monkey. Right. <laughs> the host monkey. I wasn't expecting that, but it's super true, and you are super guilty of this, and I tell you, hey, Chris, you're sick. You need but to also, stay home. But also, I'm I'm in an industry industry where I'm not like always around 
like an, a cubicle office like you're saying. I'm in my own personal truck. I'm out in the field. I'm away from everybody. Justify I, it how you want. This. Okay. Okay. Fine. But when I do get really do get sick, when I get really sick, I do call it in sick and I do use my sick time. And it's one thing that I try to be conscientious of is when I'm sick, like if I'm legitimately sick is to not go into the office as long as like if I have a cough, then I know that if I'm coughing, then germs are coming out. If I have a fever, even a low grade fever, I won't go in. You know, if it's a couple, if it's like basic, like I just have a little bit of a sore throat and I can manage through it, that's fine. But I'm not like a a work martyr where I'm going to keep going in because the reality is, is those office spaces are a breeding ground. And you're right. Like one person gets sick. And if you don't wipe down your entire, everything that you've touched, somebody else is going to get it. And one of the things that I worry about is somebody else getting sick and then taking it home to their baby and their baby getting sick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Now you're taking it on another level. Yep. Like, like the coronavirus gets started. That's how, that's how they got started. It there. really is. It's all those particulates. You got to oh. yeah, wash your hands. You got to wear those, you yep. know those gas masks you got to wear. No. <laughs> okay, okay. And the next one on our list we got is this one is a personal one because this one can hurt feelings right. and hurt emotions. And that is taking credit for other people's work. Now, what monster will do that? It happens all the time. I bet it does. You told me it happens a lot in your when you're able to work. In my well, yes. I mean, I've been better about speaking up, and you know, I'm not one to have to get credit for everything. And so, I think that's hard. Is like if you're a person in a field where you have to take credit for it, like, oh well, I need to have my name on it. I'm not about all of that. Like, I don't need to have my name in the the credits of a movie or whatever, but oh, I do. It's, it's really hurtful to a person's career if you're continuing to take credit for something that they've done and it leads to promotions, maybe in some cases, undeserved, uh, undeserved promotions right. because people have no problem. It's unethical is really what it is. So it, don't, it is. It's, it's a crime, really what it is. It's, right. it's, a, it's a office crime and you should be punished by the full extent <laughs> of the law. Hang in some countries. Here's just a suggestion is if you are working on a collaborative project and maybe you even were the lead on it. And so you're the one that's presenting it, making sure to call out the others that worked with you. And if you read my article on the CEOMag.com, I actually call that out as a strategy is to ensure that you pull up the voices of others. Great. Words of wisdom from Christine. The next one is... It's kind of funny. We kind of mentioned this earlier. Right. I think it's related. It is related. It's delegating responsibilities when it's not your job. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, this is that going back to that other one. I mean, it really does relate to that giving your tedious tasks to others. This is like delegating to other people and saying, well, that's not really my job. I've heard so many people over my years saying, well, that's really not in my job description. And so I really think that you should give it to this other person. And I bet you the boss, I bet you the boss loves hearing that when when they say, right. hey, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Joe, your job is to do this. And he says, well, that's not really my job. Right. You know, and I bet you, I bet you happens more often than not. Right. Um, but the balls you have to really tell your boss that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe you can tell your coworker that if your coworker says, hey, Joe, can you do this? And you're like, dude, that's not my job. What are you, what are you doing? You know, but if your boss comes by uh, and throws it at you, you probably should do it. Right? right. Right. But this is even saying like you should have the option to push back a little bit if it's not really your job. So maybe this is 
I don't know. This one's kind of confusing to me. Delegating or getting delegated to. Go ahead. Right. Okay. And the next one is one that we all, no matter what job you're in, no matter where you're at, this one goes to you. And I'm talking to you right now, <laughs> Mr. Filthy, not cleaning up after yourself. All right. I'm guilty, Chris. What? My desk is dusty right now. At work? Yeah. But don't you guys have a cleaning crew to come through that place? No, we have to dust all of our own stuff. But I have pictures and things and... I have a lot of different reports that I have up. I mean, it's not a super mess, but I have three piles right now and I need to dust it. But I also like if you have a shared kitchen, we have a shared kitchen right next to my right. desk. And I think we're talking about kitchens in this Ugh. article because I bet you the kitchen microwave, if nobody cleans it, it probably looks like, oh, so-and-so cooked fish in their last and didn't cover it and it splattered everywhere. Blech. Yes, pas- it happens pasta. almost every day. Oh, really? Yeah, but we have a kitchen cleaning schedule. So like us as individuals, we have to take turns cleaning the kitchen. But yeah, I agree with that because sometimes there's people on the floor that'll like... On the floor? Like I call it on the floor, like on our floor. Oh, I thought they were physically on the <laughs> no, floor. Not on like the floor. what are they doing on the floor? <laughs> no, some people will like come and warm up their fish lunch in the microwave and then it stinks up the entire floor. And it's like... Come on, at least spray some air freshener or something. You know what's funny? Uh, speaking of the kitchen, uh, I don't know if I told you this or not. This guy I used to work with um, uh, at my work, he was in the break room, and I couldn't believe he was doing this. He was actually cutting with a knife on the counter instead of a cutting board. He was chopping, I don't know, he was chopping something up, but physically on the counter Ugh. and actually left cut marks into the oh my gosh. <laughs> into the kitchen counter no. of the break room. And we're like, what are you doing? We have cutting boards for that. You know the, <laughs> the, the marks are still there for this day. So, wow. Yeah, so that's, I was thinking about that. Memories. Too, the, yes, memories. <laughs> okay, and another one here, the last one on our list is, it's probably kind of an important one, actually. That's talking down to your coworkers. Now, I would say this kind of goes hand in hand with that using big word lingo. Right, but this is, like, I've noticed this before with people that I've worked with. It can be super subtle, and it's that slightly condescending tone, like, oh, did you not know that? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, well, that's above your pay grade. So, uh, you know. Or did you need me to write that out for you? Or, hey, sweetie, um, I'll take sugar in my coffee. <laughs> that's a, that, one can, that, that one would, like, cross the line. But I do hear the things like, are you sure you've got that? Are you going to need some help with finishing that one up? Or, you know, things like that where people might not assume that you have the capacity. Well, here it tells you they do it over email. That seems even weirder because it's over email. Email, like all kind of written uh, messaging, can be taken in many different forms. Even though you can say one way like, good job, good job, good job. You know, like there's so mm-hmm. many ways you can say, even say say good job, but but you really mean say you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like, like it could be like that too, talking down to coworkers. Yeah, I guess it could be, but you know, just... Be mindful of talking to each other in a respectful manner, and you won't have to worry about any of those types of things, right? Right. And be good for your coworkers. Remember, they all work there. We all work together. It's one team, one love, one family, uh, one house, one world, or something. <laughs> that was goes. beautiful, Chris. That was like a song right there. It's my poem. Chris and Christine poem of the day. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe for our subscribers. We got a special treat coming to you guys, but you have to subscribe. That's the rules. Right. So 
stick with us because we have some fun things coming. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for listening. And also from me, thank you for letting me share a little bit of my celebration. We hope that you'll join us on our social media accounts to learn more about our journey as the Chris and Christine show and Chris and Christine, the human beings too. (laughs) Perfect. Well said. I love it. And I'll see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.